Good morning. Welcome back to the podcast. We are on episode eight and we are going to start off with identify your higher power and make yourself feel more powerful. Today, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are going from page 39 to page 46. Let me check my notes. Yes, 39 to 46. Sorry, I had um, I had a moment there. It's very early in the morning. I've not yet had coffee. I'm very embarrassed to admit that I must clearly be dependent on caffeine in the morning. <laughs> okay, let's dive straight in. But first, the idea of today's portion of chapter two is to understand how you can make yourself feel more powerful on days where you just aren't having the best day ever. You know, when we're stressed, when we want to give up on something, understanding our higher power helps us to identify how important these things really are. And it gives us that momentum and stamina to keep going even when times are tough. So here we go. Whether you believe in one God, many gods, or a divine universe, or the goddess that exists within each human being, having faith in something bigger and more powerful than yourself can often make you feel empowered, safe, and calm. And this is what people mean when they talk about believing in a higher power or seeing the bigger picture in life. Believing in something divine, holy or special can help you enjoy stressful situations as well as help you soothe yourself. At some point in life, we all feel hopeless and powerless. We've all experienced unfortunate situations during which we felt alone and needed strength. Sometimes unexpected circumstances hurt us or the people we care about. And these situations can often include being the victim of a crime, getting into an accident, having someone close to us die, or being diagnosed with a serious illness. Having faith in something special during times like these can often help you feel connected to a bigger purpose in life. Some people only put their faith in the goodness of the people they love, yet basic beliefs like these are often powerful enough to help people find the strength and comfort to lead happy, healthy lives. While you're exploring your spirituality, remember that your spiritual beliefs can change over time, and sometimes a person is raised in a spiritual tradition that no longer makes sense or feels helpful. Yet, despite these feelings, a person will sometimes continue to attend the services of that tradition because he or she thinks, well, that's the right thing that I have to do. And the truth is, if your spiritual tradition is no longer giving you peace and strength, it's okay to re-examine that faith and to change traditions if necessary. Here's a little story about me. I didn't grow up in a religious household. It wasn't a predominant religious um, of anything. We didn't really go to church, but obviously I was baptised as a Christian and obviously my mum got married in a church and we had christenings and things like that. So, But there wasn't really any intention of defining any love for for the Lord or Jesus Christ. And I thought, yes, I am a Christian and I went through university and I realised when I was at university, I think that's when a lot of us branch out from, from any form of parentalhood. Um, and that's when we really rediscover ourselves. And I think religion was a big thing for me because I was quite a hermit. I was just that weird kid at university that wouldn't really engage with anyone, was a bit aggressive, um, didn't drink. And yeah, I was very strange. And I think having my faith at that time really helped. And yeah, I was a Christian and I got a Christian tattoo on my back. There's a Bible quote from the Romans. 
And um, a couple of years later, obviously, I, I explored more about my life and who I was. And I realized that that just didn't fit me anymore. And I became more spiritual. There was a lot of, uh, it wasn't a, like an occult favorism, but I was more inclined towards the pagan side of life, understanding the universe. And I thought, well, the universe is there. It's something I can touch. I have faith when I can physically see something and the universe and the power and the beauty of nature around me just instilled that hope and faith into me. And something as simple as I know that this tree that I'm touching right now or the tree that's outside my window has been there before I was born. Every tragic, depressive moment or all these landslides I've had in my life, that tree was still there and it still survived the winter. Like that tree has been through more depressive moments with other people around it than I ever will be. And that just made me feel part of that bigger picture. And lately I have been going to church, not because I'm trying to build up my Christian faith, but having something where I can go every single week where I know it's there, it's free to join, and I can almost play this character and enjoy that feeling of love around me. And I feel really good. I don't always believe in what they're being said, what's been said in the service, but I attend and I play a character and I feel I feel part of something and I do it for that sense of something to do, part of the community. And I would really recommend it. Go to one of the free um, religious services. Obviously respect everyone because everyone is going to be very into that. And it really helps. It gives you some form of connection to those around you, even if you don't really believe in that main message. So let's connect to our higher power. We are going to use the following questions at the end of page 39 to help to identify our beliefs and to identify some ways in which you can strengthen and use your beliefs on a regular basis. So here is the first question. Are you ready? What are some of the beliefs about a higher power or a big picture? that give you strength and comfort. So these are my exact answers. I put down here, what are my beliefs? So I put, I don't rely on any externals to take control of myself. I don't feel I have to rely on something. I feel I have full control. Regardless if I'm going down my spiritual path, I still understand that I can't just pray um, and things will be manifested. I understand that I have to put my own energy first. I, I have to, I say, yes, I want this thing, but I have to go out and earn it. I have to actually work for it. So these beliefs are important to me because I know that we have full control over our actions and the only resistance we hold is what we put on ourselves. So I do believe that there's some form of higher female and male power. For example, all the things in life were created through uh, through an explosion, I guess you could say like a sexual ejaculation type thing. And I know that there is very masculine female energy throughout the world, you know, in like the stamens of plants and the trees, it's, it's everywhere. Um, um, and that is the the ultimate creator of life. But I believe that we are all gods and we all have power inside us. Like the godly aspect is I don't believe there's one thing out there. I believe that we are all capable of being gods. And the fantasy of, of gods isn't just this man in the sky that can do all these crazy things. If you want a bike, you will get a bike. If you want to own a bakery, he will give you a bakery. I don't believe in that. I believe that we all have this inner strength inside us. Some of us don't believe we have it. So we depend on an external force and that's okay. Whatever makes you feel comfortable. Okay. 
So my on the next question on page 40, it says, how do these beliefs make you feel? So how does your higher power sense make you feel? For me, I feel empowered, strong, supported, and I don't feel alone, which is very important. And how do these beliefs make you think about others? Well, they need to love themselves more. Um, and that we need to open up to the hermetic laws and principles of the universe. So um, there is a study, it's, it's, um, it's really old, this piece of text, it's the hermetic law laws and principles by the three Inuits, I think. I can't really remember. But basically, it's kind of the law and principle of the earth. So it's been followed by philosophers and scientists for years. And it talks about um, the law of attraction. And the law of the attraction, like the secret, the book and that, that is just one of the laws out of the whole of the hermetic laws. And basically, to understand the law of attraction, it works because you're putting your energy forwards. But there's a whole lot there's more principles and laws involved into getting that action out there into the world. And that's what the hermetic laws talk about. So it's the Kabbalion as well, which is what it's called. And it's it's a really good read. It helps you understand the balance of things. If there's good, there's evil, everything goes by a pendulum swing in the sense of what goes up must come down as above, so below, that the whole world is connected and the world isn't just always full of positivity. If you have positivity, the other side is negativity and that comes at a balance. And and we have to understand that when something goes up, it comes down, blah, 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 blah. It's a really good read. I would recommend it. So how do these beliefs make you feel about life in general? So I understand that it's all a part of a game type storyline that we have full control. Nothing that happens in our lives is left to chance. Everything happens for a direct reason. For example, if you, um, let's say you crashed your car, that didn't just happen by chance. There's a reason that happened. Either someone, there was a, a, I know, a train wreck in front and you slam your brakes on and then you hit that car and there was a collision behind you. Everything that we do is formed by a series of events. And understanding that sometimes if we put ourselves in a negative situation, let's say we have a BPD episode, we argue with someone that we love, we fall out with them, it causes a breakup, we can understand that that wasn't chance, that that happened and that was the only outcome of all these possible situations because of the build-up of um of the previous events so yes it kind of helps me to understand that okay everything isn't as out of my control as I think I do have a slight choice in those crazy catastrophic things that happen in my life so how do you acknowledge your beliefs throughout your daily practice for example do you go to church a synagogue a temple do you pray do you talk to other people about your beliefs do you read books about your beliefs and do you help other people and that's good to understand what you do on a daily basis because it might be that you have a certain mantra that you have in your head you might think a certain thing on the way to work when you're driving and that helps to consecrate the fact that you do have that higher power so for me I read books I read studies I watch Gaia a really good program um I meditate and I do some tarot card readings in the morning because that really helps me to set my daily affirmations I'd have my daily gratitude journal which I write three things I'm grateful for three things that'll make the day amazing if I could achieve that and then um I have a nice motivational quote that I always search off Pinterest and then I end that with three I am mantras so I am strong or I am intelligent I am fully ready for what the the universe will bring to my alignments, things like that. 
Okay, so what can you do to remind yourself of your beliefs on a regular basis? So this question is pinnacle because it's not just saying, what could you do? It's saying, what will you do in a sense? So we know that we need to understand a higher power. When we're having a stressful situation at work, sometimes knowing that we have that higher power inside us where it's, it's fine, the boss is just angry today because of something they've gone through because we're all connecting the universe. The universe is a lot tinier in terms of our consciousness than we believe. And just let it go, let it go, it's fine. So you have to remind yourself on a daily basis of that thought process. And the more you think, the more routine and habitual it become. And yeah, it just makes it a ton easier. So for me, I like to do some yoga, do some meditation. I have my altar space where I have like the male and female um, energies on my um, altar space and also tarot cards as well. So what can you say or do to remind yourself of your beliefs the next time you're feeling distressed? So for me, I think about the Kabbalion, which is the Hermetic Laws and Principles. I always think what goes up must come down. Like, yes, I'm going through a negative moment, but at the other end of the spectrum, there is the positivity. And this is just the swing of events. This is just what has to happen, that I can't reach full positivity unless I've experienced full negativity. You see where we're going with this? It helps you appreciate both sides. Um, so let's talk about the exercise on page 41. This is the higher power activities. So here are some additional activities to help you feel more connected to your higher power, the universe and the big picture. So if you have the book in front of you, you know you can tick the tick boxes, the lines here. If you don't, just if you're in the car right now listening, just nod your head and think, yep, that applies to me. So if you do believe in teachings of a particular religion or faith, then you can find related activities that make you feel more empowered and to be calm. So are you prepared to do this? Do you want to go to church, a synagogue, a temple for services? Talk to the man or woman who runs the services. Talk to other members of your faith about how they've handled difficult experiences. You could join discussion groups formed at your place of worship, read the books that are important to your faith, and find passages that give you strength and mark them or copy them to keep with you in your wallet or purse so you can read them no matter where you are. Now that is great to go to something regular, like the church situation that I talked about. Next up, we have, remember that your higher power can also be something other than God, okay? So your higher power can just be a person who makes you feel stronger. If you're an atheist, if you don't believe in anything, that's cool. You will have a strong person in your life that you will always think about in tough times. So it's someone that has that confidence to deal with the challenges that would happen. So think of someone you admire who can be your higher power and describe that person and what makes them special. And then the next time that you are in a difficult or distressing situation, just act as if you are that person and notice how you handle the situation differently. So mine in my book here is how Margaret from Coach Craig Kenneth's YouTube acts. So if you're really into attachment trauma and understanding how that affects things in your relationship, head over to Code Coach Craig Kenneth's YouTube. He talks about attachment theory all the time. He's a lovely person, but he talks it in the sense of relationship. So he helps people to how to be the best version of them in relationships when they have an anxious attachment type or avoidant attachment type. 
or um, other forms of attachment types. And he's fantastic. And he has his own therapist is called Margaret. And obviously they're in the same practitioner together. And she is just this lady full of knowledge. She's worked in the prison system. So she's got experience of working with actual psychopaths, sociopaths. She's been in the care system. So she's met adopted children. And she always talks about how any form of anxiety that we have all stems from attachment anxiety. And that could be if you're anxious about something, it's because you didn't have a parent there or the parent wasn't fully engaged in your emotions at a certain time. So you can't control that self-soothing mechanism that a lot of healthy people do have. So, yeah, I would say check her out. She's amazing. Next one, look up at the stars. Now, this was a really cute one, especially if you're driving. Maybe, I don't know, you feel lonely as you're driving. This is a great thing to do. Look up at the stars. Because the light that you are seeing is millions of years old and it has travelled from stars that are billions of miles away. In fact, each time you look up at stars, you are looking through a time machine. Isn't that crazy? And seeing the universe as it looked billions of years ago. And strangely, many of the stars that you could be looking at right now have already died. But their light is just reaching your eyes on the earth. So look up at the stars and recognise that whatever created them also created you, whether it was a god or just a cosmic accident. You are connected to the stars. Imagine yourself connecting with the universe. Sit in a comfortable chair and close your eyes and imagine a white beam of light shining down from the universe. Like a laser beam, the white light shines on the top of your head and fills you with a feeling of peace. Now imagine the white light spreading all over your body, relaxing every muscle. Now imagine your legs stretching down through the floor like giant tree trunks going all the way down into the centre of the earth. Imagine these roots tapping into the energy that drives the planet and feel your body fill with confidence as your legs absorb the golden energy flowing up from the earth. Okay, we've got four more here on the exercise. Here we go. On this exercise, should I say. So let's think about the planet Earth. Water is the most important substance for sustaining life on our planet. Yet, if we were much closer to the sun, all the water on our planet would evaporate because the temperature would be just too hot. And if we were much further away, all the water would freeze because the temperature would be too cold. So somehow, we've been lucky enough to be in just the right place for life to form. If you don't believe in a religious purpose, just ask yourself what it means that your life that you live on a planet with just the right climate and elements for life to exist. And how did this happen? And what does it mean about your life? It's a great thing to think. Okay, next one. Go to the beach. If you're close to a beach, go and do this. Try to count the grains in a handful of sand. Now try to imagine how many handfuls of sand there are in the whole world, on all the beaches and in all the deserts. And try to imagine how many billions of years must have passed to create so many grains of sand. And again, recognise that the chemical elements that make up the sand also exist in you. Stand with your feet in the sand and imagine feeling connected to the planet. Here's the next one. Go to a park or to a field and observe the trees, the grass and the animals. Even if you just have house plants where you just look out of your window and you can see some trees in the background. 
This really helps, I promise you. It's very calming. Again, recognize that whatever created all of that also created you. Remember that all living things are made of all the same chemicals and elements. On a subatomic level, there isn't much difference between you and many other life forms, yet you are still different and special. And what is it that makes you unique from other forms of life? Last one of this exercise, think about the human body, especially your own. Each human being is more wonderful than a piece of artwork and more complex than any computer ever invented. Everything about you is largely determined by your DNA, the instructions that are found in every cell of your body. Yet amazingly, each set of instructions that creates every part of your body is composed of just four chemical elements that are repeated in different combinations. These different combinations are called genes, and these are the instructions you inherit from your parents that determine everything from your eye colour to the structure of your heart. Incredibly, it only takes an estimated 30 to 40,000 genes to design a human being. Imagine trying to write so few instructions in order to create a body that thinks, breathes, eats, moves, and does everything else for you. Plus, remember that the same number of instructions is also responsible for creating approximately 100 billion neurons in your brain, which is 60,000 miles of blood vessels throughout your body, which is 600 skeletal muscles, 206 bones, 32 teeth, and 11 pints of blood. Ooh. And when you think about that, the concept of what's inside every human, you just think, wow, that is just so intricate and special and ugh, crazy, crazy. Okay, we've got a couple more pages to go, so let's let's head on for some more exercises, and then we will end with a nice, a couple of in mindful breathing exercises. So, give me two seconds. I just want to make sure I've not read too many pages. No, we're good, we're good. Okay, let's talk about taking timeouts. So timeouts aren't just for naughty kids, as much as we think so, or that chocolate bar that we once had in Britain, which I don't know if we still have it. Not too sure. We all need to relax in order to refresh our bodies, our minds, and our spirits. Yet, many people don't take out time for themselves because they feel like they would be disappointing someone else, like their boss, their spouse, family, or friends. And many people struggle with the constant need to please others. And as a result, they neglect to take care of themselves. Now, I do this time and time again. I am a workaholic sometimes, and I will ignore everything just to get work done, whether it's food, a daily um, cleaning routine. Yes, I won't clean my teeth some days. Some days I won't shower because I'm just like, work, work, work. But that's not good. And that is a deterioration of your own self-care. And self-care is so, so important for everybody, especially us guys that have that mental, emotional instability until we've mastered it. So people who don't take care of themselves lead very unbalanced lives. People ignore their own needs because they feel guilty or selfish for doing anything for themselves. But how long can you continue to take care of someone else without taking care of yourself? You think you're invincible to start, but after a couple of weeks, possibly months, you do notice that your mental health declines drastically. Imagine a woman who stands on a street corner on a hot summer day holding a jug of cold water. Now, she pours drinks for every pedestrian who walks by, and of course, everyone is grateful. But what happens when she's thirsty and goes to get a drink? After a long day of helping everyone else and neglecting herself, the jug is now empty. 
How often do you feel like this woman? And how often do you run out of time for yourself because you've spent it all taking care of other people? Helping others is a good thing to do as long as it doesn't come at the expense of sacrificing your own health. You need to take care of yourself and that does not mean you're selfish. And I know that as BPDs, we think that a lot. We think that if we help someone, that will somehow make us feel better because we can kind of manipulate that situation. But no, no, no. If you avoid self-care as a BPD, things get bad. It's not worth doing. So here's some timeout examples. Here are some ideas. You can check the ones you like or just nod your head if you're in the car right now. Treat yourself as kindly as you treat other people. Do one nice thing for yourself that you've been putting off. Number two, take time to devote to yourself, even if it's just a few hours during the week, by doing things like taking a walk or preparing your favourite meal. So I have highlighted your favourite meal because I don't normally cook nice things for myself. I wait until I'm with someone, like my partner or my friends. Um, And sometimes it's nice to have that prep for you. Like, you know, date yourself, have a bubble bath, open some champagne, use that fancy china, hell to it, wear some fancy lingerie just for you to walk around the house in. Do something that makes you feel special. Or if you're feeling really brave, take a half day off from work. Go someplace beautiful, like a park, the ocean, a lake, the mountains, a museum, or even someplace like a shopping centre. And take time to do things for your own life, like shopping, errands, doctor's appointments, and so on. Now, these things, it's very, very common that we skip those things. Everyone says, oh, I haven't had a dentist appointment for ages because I just can't get the time off work. No, you can get the time off work. You choose not to. Remember that. If you're overworking at work and you think, oh, I can't really do this. I've got to take do this and do that so I can finish my work. No, 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 no. You are letting work rule you. If you go to your manager and you say, look, dude, I need to go and do this errand. It's important. I need to go to this doctor's appointment. It's very important to me. If they refuse that, they will get told off about it. You can report them. Take time out for you. I would say that's one thing I have always done, whether I've been like, right, I'm leaving to go do this thing. Sod you all. But do take that time for yourself. Don't feel guilty to ask your boss for some time. Because let's face it, if he he didn't have you or she didn't have you right now, that work that they're expecting you to do would not get done. Yes, you can be replaced, but you can't actually be replaced for your personality. Remember that. Enough of that. Let's start living in the present moment. So this is the end of page 43, where the subhead is. So time travel is possible. Dun, dun, dun. Every sci-fi fan right now is like, hell yes. Now we all do it occasionally, but some people do it more often than others. I'm going to slowly disappoint you now with time travel. People who time travel, not in like these huge cubicles and literally physically transport around the world, but we spend a large portion of each day thinking about all the things that we should have done yesterday and all the things that went wrong in the past and all the things that we should do tomorrow. And as a result, that's where they live, in the past or in the future. Doesn't that sum us BPD as up in a nutshell? They rarely pay attention to what's happening to them right now, so they miss living in the present moment, the only true moment in which anybody can live. For example, let's notice what's happening to you right now as you read this. 
are you thinking of something else? Are you thinking of something that happened in the past or something that's coming up in the future? So stop it. You hear me? (laughs) I'm joking. What does your body feel like right now? Pay attention to it. Do you notice any spots of tension or physical pain? And how are you breathing? Are you taking full deep breaths or are you breathing very shallow? Now, often we don't pay attention to what's already happening to us. We don't pay attention to what people are saying to us or the things that we read. We don't even pay attention to who's around us whilst we are walking. And to make it even more problematic, we often try to do more than one thing at the same time, like driving, eating, talking on the phone. And as a result, we miss a lot of what life has to offer and we often make easy situations more difficult. But even worse, not living in the present moment can also make life more painful. For example, maybe you anticipate that the person with whom you're talking to is going to say something insulting, which makes you feel angry, even though the person hasn't even said anything yet. Or maybe just thinking about past events makes you feel physically or emotionally upset, which then interferes with whatever you're trying to do at that moment. Obviously, both types of time traveling can make an event unnecessarily painful. So in chapters three through five on mindfulness skills, you'll learn advanced skills to help you stay in the moment. But for now, try the following exercise to help you live in the moment and tolerate distressing events more skillfully. So I'm going to have a quick, quick voice presenter note there. And I want to address the whole yoga culture because when I was, before I decided to do yoga, I'm not like a yogi person right now. You know, I, 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 it hurts. It hurts me. It hurts my soul sometimes. (laughs) I'm kidding. But I don't, I can't do the whole like downward dog facing shindig. It's just, I am not that supple and flexible yet. I'm getting there. Okay. I'm getting there. But the whole yoga thing, I was like, why do people do it? Like, what's the point of just like bending on this mat and then inhaling and exhaling? And it seemed pretty daft. But let me tell you, this sounds like a rags to riches story and take it, okay, take this or leave it. But years and years and years ago, I was in a stressful situation. I was living with someone that I didn't, it was a relationship, but I didn't, I didn't, I appreciated them, but I didn't have romantic feelings towards them. I was kind of like, um, I had like, a, this was my first proper breakdown where I, I left my full-time job and I went on medication for the first time in my life and I jumped back into anorexia and just spiraled out of control and that's when the agoraphobia set in as well. And no matter where I was, I felt trapped. I felt guilty for not working. I wasn't comfortable in the place I was renting with this person that I didn't really love. And it was tough. And then I started to develop carpal tunnel in my hand. Um, and my hand felt all fizzy and then my elbow felt numb and then I would get back pains and it would be really uncomfortable for me to sleep at night. I would get all these nice memory foam toppers for the mattress and memory foam pillows and nothing really worked. And it just, it drove me to insanity. It really did. And I remember going to the doctors and I had MRI scans and I had these nerve tests and they confirmed there was nothing wrong with my hand. I didn't have carpal tunnel at all. And I said, I have the feelings like I can't, I can't feel anything. I randomly drop plates. I can touch hot things. My fingers are so numb. And they said, no, there's nothing there. And I had physio and one of the physiotherapists said that my back muscles were pretty tight and I should be able to twist my torso to the left and to the right with ease. I'm actually doing it right now. if I sound distant from the mic, that's why. 
And I thought, well, to hell with this. So I, I started doing some yoga and I felt really daft by doing the whole, now inhale and exhale. And I did feel really awkward. Like, what is this? I just feel like a right muppet. But it really worked. And the fact that I was being in the moment, because that's what yoga does. It brings you into that moment and because you're focusing on moving your muscles and you're focusing on your breath, you're just enjoying that moment. You're being very, very present and very mindful. And I wasn't thinking about, you know, the bills I have to pay later or thinking about the past situation of things that happened. For that momentary time, I was able just to let go of all these problems that I had. And yes, the movement of the yoga really helped. It helped me to open up my back muscles um, to be able to bend properly, move all my like thoracic spine and twist. And then when I went back to the physiotherapist, she checked my muscles and she was like, oh my gosh, like what has happened? And um, I was like, well, I didn't actually do your tennis ball and rolled up towel technique. I did some yoga, bitch. And she was ridiculously impressed. She was like, I've never seen someone gain that much of like um, suppleness in in that time, the space between two physio appointments. And that helped. And I wasn't sure whether that was a trapped emotion feeling that I had by being mindful and letting go of the pain because if you have emotional pain it can cause physical symptoms and technically to doctors I had no physical symptoms they couldn't find anything was wrong but I felt it and it was there and it really prevented me from doing lots of things and what I'm trying to say here is that yoga might sound daft and everyone mocks it and says oh that whole inhale and stuff but until you've tried it it literally is a ball out of the park. It's amazing because you're so mindful and you have to really engage all of your body. Yes, you can sit there and have mindful sessions for your headphones, but until you've actually done the mindfulness and engaged the body, that feels spectacular. And I can't describe it. To be present in that moment feels so good. And when you're present in the moment, you can appreciate the rest of the day. All of a sudden, if something bad happened, you're like okay, it's fine. Let me just deal with this. What do I have to do to make this situation better? And you don't have that overwhelming emotional um, attitude to things. And that's why doing yoga in the morning and the afternoon really helps to set your day up. It's fantastic. And I recommend for everyone to do it. Okay, exercise and page 44. This is called Where Are You Now? I was about to sing a song there, but I'm not. I'm going to try and keep this podcast podcasty, not theatrical. The next time you are in a distressing situation, ask yourself the following questions. Where am I right now? Am I time traveling in the future, worrying about something that might happen or planning something that might happen? Am I time traveling in the past, reviewing mistakes, reliving bad experiences or thinking about how my life could have been under different circumstances? Or am I in the present? Am I really paying attention to what I'm doing, thinking and feeling? Now, this is great to write down. You know, we had the distraction plans and the relaxation plans that we put together and we made like a little A4 sheet or A3 sheet, whatever size it was, and we wrote down things to do. This would be awesome to add this onto the list. If you're not in the present moment, refocus your attention on what's happening to you right now by using the following steps. Notice what you are thinking about and recognize, are you time traveling? And bring your focus back to the present moment. Notice how you are breathing. Take slow, long breaths to help you focus on the present. Notice how your body feels and observe any tension or pain you might be feeling. 
recognize how your thoughts might be contributing to how you are feeling. Big one. BPDers, we hold um, thoughts in our head for days and that affects our mood. Now, that is not what people usually should do, but we do something different. So getting mindful is the first step of overcoming your borderline disorder. Use cue controlled relaxation to release any tension. And we already talked about the cue control relaxation, relaxation, relaxation and audio that's available. Exercise listening to the now. Another exercise to help you focus on the present moment is the listening to now exercise. You can dedicate at least five minutes to help yourself refocus. So these are the instructions. Sit in a comfortable chair, turn off any distractions like your phone, radio and television and take slow long breaths in through your nose and out through your mouth. Feel your stomach expand like a balloon each time you breathe in and feel it deflate each time you exhale. Now, as you continue to breathe, simply listen. Listen to any sounds you hear outside your home inside your home and inside your own body. Count each sound that you hear. When you get distracted, return your focus to listening. Maybe you hear cars, people or airplanes outside. Perhaps you hear a clock ticking or a fan blowing inside. Or maybe you hear the sound of your own heart beating inside your body. Actively and carefully, listen to your environment and count as many sounds as you can. Try this exercise for five minutes and notice how you feel afterwards. Now, a variation of this listening exercise will help you to stay focused on the present moment whilst you're in a conversation with another person. If you notice that your attention is beginning to wander and you start thinking about your past or future, focus your attention on something that the person is wearing, like a button on their shirt a hat they're wearing, or even their collar. Note to yourself what colour the item is and what it looks like. Sometimes this can snap you out of your time travelling. Now continue to listen, and if your mind begins to wander again, do the exact same thing and keep on listening. Okay, let's move on. We have a nice, let me see. Yep, we have another exercise to go and then it's the end for today. So exercise, mindful breathing. Another exercise that will help you stay focused in the present moment is breathing. It sounds simple and it can sound pretty daft, but I assure you, take my word for it, it works. But we don't always breathe as well as we should. Think about it. Who ever taught you to breathe? If you're like the rest of us, probably no one. And yet you do it about 15 times a minute or almost, get ready for this, 22,000 times a day. Everyone knows that we breathe air to take in oxygen. But how much of the air you breathe is actually oxygen? 100%? 75%? Now the correct answer is that your the air that you breathe in is only dun 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 21% oxygen. And when your body doesn't get enough oxygen, it can knock your biological system off balance. So for this reason alone, taking full slow breaths is important. But another benefit of breathing fully is that this simple technique can help you to relax and focus. Many spiritual traditions combine slow breathing techniques with guided meditations to help people focus and relax. Here's a breathing exercise that many people find helpful. 
This type of breathing is also called diaphragmic breathing because it activates the diaphragm muscle at the bottom of your lung cavity. And this is the muscle which flips up slightly when we get hiccups. So it's the movement of the diaphragm flipping which makes us go, it's like an involuntary movement, just FYI. Engaging the diaphragm helps you take fuller, deeper breaths, which also helps you to relax. So let's read the instructions before beginning the exercise to familiar yourself with the, with the experience. Or if you're more comfortable with the instructions, you can just listen to me as we go along. And you can record this on your phone if you wanted to. So you want to set a kitchen timer or an alarm clock for five minutes and practice breathing until the alarm goes off. And then as you get more accustomed to using this technique to help you relax, you can set the alarm for longer periods of time, like 10 or even 15 minutes. But don't expect to be able to sit still that long when you first start. Because in the beginning, five minutes is a long ass time to sit still and breathe. Believe me, I've tried. So when using this new form of breathing, many people often feel as if they become one with their breathing, meaning that they feel a deep connection to the experience. And this is the whole yogi mantra. It feels good. If that happens for you, great. If not, it's okay too. Just keep practicing. Also, some people feel lightheaded when they first begin practicing this technique. And that could be because you are breathing too fast, too deeply or too slowly. So don't be alarmed. If you begin to feel lightheaded, stop if you need to, or return your breathing to a normal rate and begin counting your breaths. So I'm going to walk you through this. This is what it's going to sound like. Feel free to join in with me. These are the instructions. So to begin, find a comfortable place to sit in a room where you won't be distracted for as long as you've set the timer. Turn off the distracting sounds. Take a few slow, long breaths and relax. Place one hand on your stomach. Now slowly breathe in through your nose and then slowly exhale through your mouth. Feel your stomach rise and fall as you breathe. Imagine your belly filling up with air like a balloon as you breathe in and then feel it deflate as you breathe out. Feel the breath moving in across your nostrils and feel your breath blowing out across your lips. As you breathe, notice the sensations in your body. Feel your lungs fill up with air. Notice the weight of your body resting on whatever you're sitting on. With each breath, notice how your body feels more and more relaxed. Now, as you continue to breathe, begin counting your breaths each time you exhale. You can count either silently to yourself or aloud. Count each exhalation until you reach four and then begin counting at one again. To begin, Breathe in slowly through your nose and then exhale slowly through your mouth. This is count one. Again, breathe in slowly through your nose and slowly out through your mouth. Count two. Repeat, breathing in slowly through your nose and then slowly exhale. Count three. Last time, breathing through your nose and out through your mouth. Count four. Now begin counting at one again. When your mind begins to wonder and you catch yourself thinking of something else, return your focus to counting your breaths. Try not to criticize yourself for getting distracted. Just keep taking slow breaths into your body in and out. Filling up your belly with air like a balloon. 
feel it resting after each inhalation and falling with each exhalation. Keep counting each breath. And with each exhale, feel your body relaxing deeper and deeper. And keep breathing until your alarm goes off and then slowly return your focus to the room that you are in. Now we have reached the end of that section for today. We are now at the top of page 47, ready to begin self-encouraging coping thoughts for tomorrow. Now any of these instruction moments that you come across in the book, we have actually recorded them for you. So it's not myself, it will be the other presenters that we now have on board. They will be taking in turns to record these and we will be slowly uploading those onto the podcast. Or you can head over to the Discord channel. And details for that would be wherever you've listened to this podcast, in the bio link. And then you'll have options to listen to these guided meditations without having the podcast talk. You'll literally just be able to plug in, listen, and then go about your day. So I hope that was fantastic for you, as great it was for me. That was season one, episode eight. Nope, season one, episode nine. Sorry, I'm, I'm lying, making sure you're awake there. And I will be here tomorrow to talk to you about from chapter 40 page 46 or 47 to 56. So have an amazing day, whatever you are doing, and I will see you soon. All the best to you. Bye-bye.